Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Pau Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. A legendary guest lined up for you this week. Oscar De La Hoya, boxing champion, 11 world titles in six different weight classes, Olympic gold medalist, founder of Golden Boy Promotions. He shares the real and raw story of his life in the upcoming documentary, The Golden Boy, which premieres on July 24th on HBO and streams on Max. I highly recommend this documentary because it isn't the typical manufactured look at a celebrity's life. This is Oscar's life through the eyes of people who he's had complex relationships with, like his ex-wives, his kids, and his dad. I was pleasantly surprised at how candid this documentary was, and I commend Oscar for telling the truth about his life. And I think you're going to enjoy our conversation on Sports Business Radio here this week because it's very candid as well. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing great. And yeah, Oscar, I mean, anytime you can get a major star like that, do a doc like this where he's, like you said, candid and open and raw and telling the real stories of his life in his own words like that, you can't beat it. Because so many people, especially celebrities, hide that stuff. You never really get behind the curtain. You never get to really know these people and see what the true stories are. So I think it's fascinating and obviously well-produced. So uh, great to have him on. We had him on years and years ago. So it's nice to have him back on. Yeah, this was probably the most shocking autobiography, so to speak, since Andre Agassi's book for me. Um, I was not expecting this at all. I mean, HBO does great work. Uh, Mark Wahlberg and Mario Lopez are executive producers on this documentary for Oscar De La Hoya. And usually I get these screeners and it's like, this is the greatest person you ever lived. And here's all the wonderful moments of their career and the highlights. And I started watching this and I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> like, these are people who are not saying the nicest of things about Oscar and who are telling the real story of his life and the complexities of it. And, you know, one of the things I walked away with is he started fighting at the age of six and he had so much pressure on him from his parents and his family to be the golden boy. And to be this one who, you know, took care of this family. And then, you know, he's got to take care of all these other people along the way from 
promoters to uh, kids to wives to you know fans, and he felt this enormous pressure. And I think anyone who's ever dealt with celebrity life can relate to the enormous pressure. You like you know that song, "More Money, More Problems." Yeah, there's a little bit of that you know in this story, and you you get that sense for it, but. I think everyone's going to enjoy this conversation today because, again, this conversation is also pretty real and raw. And, uh, you know, Oscar doesn't pull any punches, uh, no pun intended, in the documentary or in our conversation today. But before we get to the conversation with Oscar, let's look at a few sports business headlines of the week. Griggs, uh, I don't watch a lot of tennis anymore, but I did watch the finals of Wimbledon, the, the ladies and the men's. On the ladies' side, uh, I'm probably going to butcher her name, but Marketa Vondrasova, she wins Wimbledon, 24 years old. And the remarkable thing about her victory is she's the first woman in the history of Wimbledon to win as an unseeded player. So Billie Jean King in 1963 had made it to the finals of Wimbledon unseeded. What we just saw is someone winning Wimbledon as an unseeded player. Uh, she was dropped by Nike a year ago. Like, you want to talk about the Rocky story here? <laughs> no one expected her to win the women's singles title, and she did, and that was fascinating to watch. And then, look, the arrival of Carlos Alcarez on the men's side, 20 years old, takes down the legend, Joker, Djokovic, um, you know, that was a five-set battle. That was one of the best tennis matches I've watched in a very long time. No one lost that match. Alcarez had to snatch it away and win it at the end. Joker was going for his 24th major to tie Margaret Court for the most majors all-time, uh, women or men. And there was a lot at stake for him. Alcarez is a big Nike athlete. They ran a lot of ads afterwards. But, uh, you know, you kind of sense like, okay, you know, like a LeBron, like a Tiger, like Carlos Alcarez is here and he's 20. And, you know, Djokovic in his post-match presser said, I've never played against someone like this. Like he's got a little bit of me. He's got a little bit of Nadal because he's from Spain as well and grew up uh, idolizing Nadal. He's got a little bit of Federer. Wow. If you've got a little bit of the three of those guys in your game, that's going to be pretty tough to beat. You know, I know we hype athletes all the time, like Lemon Yama and, you know, LeBron and Tiger and Kobe. and But this kid seems to be the real deal. And the other thing I thought, too, he's 20 years old. So I'm like, uh, he's basically a year and a half older than my daughter and her friends. And like nothing against them, but look at all the poise this kid has. And he's on this big stage and he could have totally folded in the fifth set. He just had so much poise. He was so grateful in the post-match presser. You know, you're around the King of Spain was there. Uh, the Royal family from Britain was there. Like there's a lot of people that came to kind of see his coronation, so to speak, and his, his play. And he handled it all uh, brilliantly for 20 years old. Yeah, not to mention you're playing the GOAT of tennis currently. You know, I mean, right? <laughs> the best player we've seen forever, and he usually wins these matches. Got fined for the racket smash. Gotta love that. But, you know, the Joker's always a competitor. I love watching him play because he is so intense. But, yeah, 20 years old. I mean, going out there, 
in the big stage on the grass court, taking down the goat. I mean, that's got to be what a what a win for him. And yeah, you're right. His poise is just well spoken. Answered questions was great. And on the women's side, talk about the comeback. I mean, the underdog. That's that's the best story in sports, right? Undrafted, unsigned, un everything, and here she comes back and wins it. I love that. Great story. Yeah. Now it was really cool. And look, tennis needs figures like this, right? Like it, it, it's a little bit boring. Um, you know, it, it needs personalities. Yeah. And Alcaraz, if he can take the torch and be one of the personalities, um, that's great. And you know, Vondrasova, who knows? Like, was this a flash in the pan? Is she going to go to the U.S. Open and, you know, replicate what she did at Wimbledon and have a, a big run? You never know. But both sides, because you've got the Williams sisters, you know, Serena's retired. Venus isn't playing very much anymore. And on the men's side, Federer's retired. Nadal is on the last hole. If we're playing 18 holes of golf, he's on 18. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Joker's going to be around for a little bit, but he's not going to be around forever. So the men's side needs someone to step up and, and kind of be the face of tennis. And it looks like it's going to be Alcarez. So speaking of goats, Griggs, Leo Messi introduced in Miami in the last week, sold out stadium in Fort Lauderdale where uh, inner Miami plays their game. He signed a two and a half year deal worth up to $150 million, including salary, signing bonuses, and equity in the team. By the end of 2025, Messi's career earnings will reach an estimated $1.6 billion when you factor in player salaries, bonuses, and endorsements. And Griggs, check this out. This is what Apple TV has planned for Messi's first game in MLS. You ready? Yeah. 18 cameras, four super slow-mo cameras, a sky cam, a drone, a one-hour pregame show, sideline reporters from uh, using English and Spanish, and a post-game show. This is like the Super Bowl. Yeah. And they're going to be doing this type of coverage for him. They're going to be streaming his practices. Like, Basically everything he does. My favorite moment of the last week was when he went to Publix <laughs> with his wife and his two kids and they went shopping and he's got cereal in his cart and he's posing for pictures with fans. But if he was at home in Argentina, he can't go to the grocery store. He can't leave his front door without being mobbed. And I was sure he probably was like, this is really cool. Like, I'm at the grocery store. I'm doing normal people things in Miami. His family seemed to be enjoying it. He seemed to be accommodating to the fans. He did ask his wife for the car keys when people really started recognizing who he was. But how'd you like to be at Publix in Miami? And you're just walking up and down the aisles, and there's the goat, Leo Messi, uh, putting some cereal in his cart. I love it. I love how real that was. It just, like, just a normal guy with his family out grocery shopping. Like, what do we need, honey? Oh, yeah, I'll get some bread on aisle five. I just love how organic that was and how it was just like you and me going to the store. And that was so cool. And my second favorite moment was the introduction with him and Beckham. I mean, talk about two all-time greats, you know, dapping and hugging it out. And he's got the full kit on. And uh, he's going to be so fun. And Apple TV is going to kill it. Uh, I love the drone coverage, by the way, in sports. They've been using that a lot. They used it in hockey some this year. So cool. The filming is great. Apple does a great job. I'm looking forward to the 
to the next uh, season and the next round with uh, Mr. Messi playing. Yeah, I mean, look, he might save the Apple deal for MLS. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are going to be tuning in. We've already seen what's happened to Enter Miami's social media numbers, which have skyrocketed since he signed. Um, you know, you can't get a ticket to any of his MLS games that he's going to play in home or away. Uh, imagine how many of those number 10 Enter Miami kits. Yeah. My, you know, MLS. And, and so he's getting a piece of the Adidas action on his kits. He's getting a piece of the action with Apple TV because imagine how many people are going to be like, well, wasn't really going to buy the <laughs> Apple TV MLS package. But now since Messi's playing, I'll buy it. And again, they're adding all of these bells and whistles that I just described. And, you know, Apple TV was streaming his introduction in Miami. I mean, you would have thought that God was coming to play sports in America and MLS. Like it was such a to do to introduce him and look that's what they should be doing right like you you've got one of the great athletes of all time he's decided to play in your league he's decided to play for this team like milk it for all that you can um but yeah there's so many intricacies of this deal including ownership of a team in the future like Beckham I mean so look at Beckham Beckham played for the LA Galaxy years ago parlayed that into ownership of this Miami team now the Miami team has Messi. Yeah. So like, who's the Messi of the future that Messi might be able to sign like Beckham to sign him 10, 15 years from now? That's where the real money comes in. Because I guarantee you Beckham is making more now from being an owner of Inner Miami than he is from what he made for his playing career with the LA Galaxy. Well, you see it with Jordan. I mean, he's made so much more money off the court owning right. teams, selling teams, you know, obviously the Jordan brand, but uh, that's how these guys make the money, right? They retire from the sport. They play five, 10 years. The money's in the ownership and the deals after when you're off the court, even the, uh, you know, TV deals and like we're seeing with Brady and these other stars that come in and into the booth. So yeah, what's to come, but uh, man, it's must watch TV. I'm looking forward to seeing them. All right. Speaking of great runs, we're on a great run for the next couple of weeks. We've got Oscar De La Hoya this week. Next week, Tracy McGrady, Basketball Hall of Famer, one of my favorite players, uh, you know, of 20 years ago, 15 years ago, played with the Orlando Magic, played with the Houston Rockets, um, just a legendary player. I mean, at that time, it was like T-Mac, it was Kobe, it was AI, it was Shaq, like those were the players of that era. And T-Mac's got this great... Uh, new basketball league called the Wands. It's one-on-one -on -one basketball. We talk about how maybe that could be incorporated into NBA All-Star Weekend. Uh, we talk about Kobe. We talk about his dissolution of his 27-year relationship with Adidas. Um, so we cover a lot of ground in our conversation. I think listeners will enjoy that in our next episode. And then Mike Tolan, who you may go, well, who's Mike Tolan? He is one of the great movie, TV, documentary producers of the last 20 or 30 years he was executive producer on the last dance i mean griggs one of our favorite documentaries yeah. the story of the michael jordan chicago bulls 10-part documentary he offers some great insight in our conversation about that documentary uh, he's done one tree hill which is one of my favorite shows that i've watched with my daughter uh smallville nice uh he he's done coach carter so many wonderful things to his 
credit, he made the Derek Jeter documentary that was out um, a couple months ago. But he's the co-founder of Slam Ball. And I'll give a quick plug for Slam Ball. I just went and did some work with them last week in Las Vegas. And I went to one of the practices. People aren't going to believe this. Like It's like basketball and football. They don't have free throws when there's a foul. It's the face-off. You have a player at half court racing towards the basket with trampolines in front of them, and you have a defender coming from the sideline trying to block and stop the offensive player. It's four on four. This is going to be on ESPN starting July 21st. Um, You've got this combination of basketball player and football player. So like the defenders are usually football players. Um, Two of the athletes with the Guinness Book of World Record for highest vertical jump in the world play in this league. So I think this is going to be like social media video times a thousand. People are going to be watching the highlights from these games going, oh my God, did you see that guy's feet were like above the top of the backboard? And I mean, it's just crazy and it's fast moving. And yeah, um, again, July 21st on ESPN, but Mike Tolan will be on with me in two weeks and we'll discuss that. But if you get a chance on July 21st, everyone should tune into ESPN and check out Slam Ball and, and see what it's all about. But we'll go inside of that and talk about movies and even how, you know, like this writers and actor strike is impacting the sports world because live sports now has become more important. Because you don't have these scripted shows. The two things that have taken on even more value are live sports and reality TV. Yep. So even though I would say reality TV is somewhat scripted too, so that's probably impacted as well. But, you know, Slam Ball is coming along at a good time because people need live sports um, when there's no writer strike. So, like, I don't know if people have been following this, but your favorite shows that you're waiting for to come back on Netflix or HBO or Apple, they're not going to be back for a while, Griggs, because this strike is no one's in production right now. Yeah. And from people that we've spoken to um, who are inside the industry, this probably isn't going to get solved until November, December. So um, there's a lot at stake. But again, how does this relate to sports business? Live sports takes on even more importance because it's not scripted. And you don't need writers and you don't need actors. It's just, you know, happening before your eyes on the on the field of play. Yeah, I am looking forward to Slam Ball. I love the padded rim, which is fun to uh, yeah. avoid injuries. It kind of reminds me of, I don't know if you ever played the uh, video game NBA Jam, where you're like dunking yeah. on half court, no. balls on fire. And, you know, there's... That's actually a really great uh, comparison. Yeah, that, I mean, I, I, as soon I as like I saw it, a lot. I saw the, the trailer for the Slam Ball, and I'm like, this is NBA Jam in real life. So let's go. I can't wait. <laughs> Yeah. So they, you can take, uh, so coach Carter, the real coach Carter, who, you know, it's the subject of the movie. I met him. He's one of the coaches of a slam ball team. Yeah. And if you take a three pointer NBA three pointer, it's actually four points <laughs> in slam ball. And most people, most athletes, the teams are just going to the basket. They're trying to dunk it. Yeah. Alley-oops, lobs and all this stuff. But his team, shoots the four-pointer. So they're like, you know, the Golden State Warriors, Houston nice. Rockets of, of slam ball. So if you can shoot the four-pointer, you get more points than you do for a dunk, which is three points. Yeah, Mid-range, I think, is two points. So, um, you know, there's a lot of rules that people will have to learn and understand. 
But when you just see the spectacle of what it is, it is like NBA Jam. Like that, that's probably the best comparison I've heard. <laughs> it's awesome. And we can't wrap the show without giving props to Sabrina, my girl from Oregon, killing, wow, nope. killing the WNBA three-point contest, making 37. So that was fun to watch. She just lit up the court and uh, she's so fun to watch. Well, and, you know, Steph has said, Steph Curry, we need a showdown. Like he's the reigning, you know, <laughs> NBA three-point champ. She's the reigning WNBA right. three-point champ. They know each other very well. She's from the Bay Area. That would be fun to watch. I'd watch that. Oh, yeah. Um, and shout out to Steph. I mean, is there anything this guy can't do? He is a legendary basketball player, NBA champion, three-point king, best shooter of all time. And we know how much he loves golf and supports golf and supports the underrated tour for underrated players uh, in golf and um, those who typically wouldn't be able to afford to play golf. Guy goes out and he wins the tournament in Lake Tahoe. There's a good field there. Yeah. I mean, there's some really good golfers there. No one expected him to win. I mean, Steph is very good. No, Guy goes out on Saturday. He has a hole-in-one, mm-hmm. his second hole-in-one. If you haven't seen the video of that, get on to social media and watch that. Like he goes nuts and he hit hole. I probably would too. But he ran 140 yards up the fairway and just like it was like he just won the NBA title. And then how cool is it? He's got his family there. He's got his son there, and he makes an eagle on the final hole on Sunday to win the tournament. And you know I've been around a lot of athletes and. They love when they can win or compete at a high level in a sport that isn't their normal sport. Yeah. And Steph knows how hard golf is. And, you know, it's not his normal sport. Basketball is. So for him to go out and win this tournament, I'd bet you if you talk to him, um, you know, he'd probably tell you it's one of his career achievements that he won that tournament, even though, you know, it's not the NBA championship. It's still a big deal for him, and it's an individual sport. So, you know, he doesn't have Clay Thompson or Draymond Green or uh, Andre Iguodala or anyone helping him. Like, this is an individual sport. It's just him. Everything relies on his performance. So it's completely different, and I bet he takes that challenge differently than he does playing for the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, and he's got he's got a second career lined up now. When basketball's done, hit the tour. Okay, I mean, the guy could play. We've seen him play. And I love how you, you mentioned, too, the, when it's not your normal sport, like when you watch the match. You know, you watch these players go out and play the match. You can tell they're having fun, but it's still competitive. They want to go out there and win that tournament because it's not their sport. They want to show the world, hey, I can play golf, too. So it's fun to see these star athletes play something else and be good at it, too. It's fun. By the way, Travis Kelsey won the long drive contest, 362 yards. And I think the Open Championship is this week. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's going to be interesting to watch. Rory just won the Scottish Open. Right. You know, he obviously does really well in the Open. He hasn't won a major in a while. Um, Ricky Fowler's been playing awfully well. Uh, Fitzpatrick always does well in mm-hmm. the Open. It's going to be interesting to watch. I love getting up super early. Me too. And like, so I, you know, I like getting up early and watching Wimbledon because we're on the West Coast. Um, and then getting up early and watching the open, like this kind of two or three week period is fun to get up early and watch, you know, this take place on the other side of the world. And now I got to tell you, you know, I'll wrap with this before we get to Oscar de la Hoya. When I watched Wimbledon, like I went by Wimbledon when I went to London. So I like seen the sights of some of the places in London now and in Europe. Yeah. 
it's really fun for me because now I've been there. I saw where Ted Lasso was filmed. I saw where Wimbledon is um, and, and went and walked the grounds, even though the tournament wasn't going on. Like, it's really neat to, to watch these things now after having, you know, actually been there. Yeah, when I, the episode when Jamie Tart, Tart, Tart to Tart is in uh, Amsterdam, I've been on that bridge when I, in yeah. high school, I went to Amsterdam. I'm like, this is so cool because you kind of know the area, you know, like, oh, over there's this and that. And it just makes you get a whole new perspective when you've seen it in person. Yeah, I mean, since you mentioned Ted Lasso, let's give a shout out to, you know, Phil Dunster, who plays Jamie Tart. Um, I mean, so many emmy nominations for that cast yeah. and for the show itself like what a brilliant show um and they deserve all of the accolades and nominations that they're getting so congratulations to apple tv to ted lasso and uh you know it's gonna be interesting it's it's hard i would imagine when you're up against your castmates for these awards like you're actually yours you're so good and they're so good It'd be like, you know, if you're playing on a team and, and both players on the team are nominated for an MVP right, or for Rookie of the Year or, you know, some award. So I'm sure they'll be happy for each other. But, uh, yeah, I guess that's a good problem to have. Yeah, All right. good problem to have for sure. 27 Emmy nominations, not a bad thing. 27 Emmy nominations. Yeah. I mean, my two shows of the last year, uh, Ted Lasso and Succession. Yeah. And, you know. They get all the Emmy nominations, and you know if you have not watched Ted Lasso or you have not watched Succession, do yourself a favor and watch those shows. And the great thing about streaming is you can binge them. You can sit there for a week or a weekend and, and get through a lot of them. All right, coming up next, honestly, you know I've been doing this show 19 years, and I feel like we have pretty real and raw conversations on this show. I put this in the top five real raw conversations with an absolute legend. Um, so you're not going to want to miss this upcoming conversation with Oscar De La Hoya. And once again, July 24th, HBO streaming on Max, the golden boy, the Oscar De La Hoya documentary. I think it's going to really make you sit down and take notice. And uh, it's very, very well done. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. 5G is here. Is your stadium ready? From an immersive fan experience to efficient game day operations, 5G is transforming sports and entertainment. If you're ready to jumpstart your 5G transformation, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is one of the largest operators of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. They provide stadiums and arenas with state-of-the-art 5G networks and support teams across the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, and NCAA. I'm constantly interacting with sports executives, and the reason they love working with Boingo is because Boingo manages 5G and Wi-Fi networks end-to-end, offloading very stretched IT teams. Whether your stadium is looking to support mobile ticketing, cashless payment, or connected operations, Boingo has you covered. But don't just take it from me. Their customers include world-class venues like Soldier Field, State Farm Arena, Petco Park, and University of Louisville. Boingo in 5G. Now that's what I call a win-win. For a limited time, Boingo has a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. They're offering a free 5G assessment for your stadium or arena. To get started, simply email 
sbradio at boingo.com and mention this podcast. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Oscar De La Hoya, 11 world titles in six different weight classes, Olympic gold medalist, founder of Golden Boy Promotions. He's the subject of a new two-part documentary, The Golden Boy. It debuts July 24th on Max and HBO. I've had a chance to screen the documentary. I found it to be super compelling and raw. Oscar, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm great, man. Thank you for having me. So a lot of times when I watch these documentaries at the end of someone's career, you know, they're puff pieces, they're flattering, they're career highlights. I watched this and I was blown away because it's really a raw look at your career, your interpersonal relationships. At one point towards the end of the documentary, you say, the golden boy, it's all fucking bullshit. I'm done running. What led you to take such a sobering approach to making this documentary? Even though it's crazy because being the golden boy for, for so many years, um, 30 plus years uh, since I won the Olympic gold in 92 at Barcelona, you know, being labeled, being conditioned as this kid that, that can't do no wrong, that is always smiling, that, it, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm a, I'm a happy guy in general, you know, but you know, there's times that I want to be myself, you know, and, and boxing and family and, 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 and the media and, and, and the fans, everyone around me, around the world, it, it was, I was conditioned to be this certain type of person. You know, I was the money machine. I was, I was, you know, um, I was just winning world titles and, uh, I was basically, you know, the American dream and it all, it all was, it was a lot of pressure. It was a lot of, uh, a lot to take in, um, for, a for an 18 year old kid, for a 19 year old kid coming off the Olympics, um, you know, and, 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 and at some point there's, there comes a time where you just like break. And I don't know how many times I broke, but for some reason, I always put myself back together you know, and, and I had no help and, uh, and it was tough. It was difficult, but this time th th this documentary just tells you the whole story in my own words, what I lived, what I felt. And, uh, yeah, it, uh, I mean, they did a good job. They did a good job. And one of the other main takeaways, you know, you started fighting when you were six and you just talked about the pressure that came with everything, supporting your family, you know, kind of being the guy. And I really felt that pressure through your narration and, and, you know, seeing the environment you grew up around since the age of six, you were almost Oscar parentified where it was like you were the parent to your parents. Interesting. Very interesting because, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times um, parents, you know, want to live their dreams through their kids, mm -hmm. you know? And yeah. I did feel that my father wanted to live through me. You know, he, he boxed for, for a second. I believe he had a few professional fights, really didn't make it. Um, so, you know, his, his next option was living through his kids. And my brother was, was a fighter first. And when he decided to hang up the gloves, basically they kind of disowned him. 
And so if you think about it, it's, it's cruel, right? Mm-hmm. So the next kid is me. I'm the chosen one. So I'm the quiet one. I'm the shy one. I'm never going to say no. I'm going to do whatever you tell me. So I became this animal. I became this beast of a fighter um, that had so much anger in him. And, you know, I, I do have to thank boxing and my sport because without, without that tool, without that vehicle, who knows where I would be? Who knows I would be in jail? Who knows if I would be dead? Who knows? So boxing in a way obviously did save my life, but at the same time, it was like a double-edged sword. Yeah, there's another part in the documentary and you say, boxing was my love, my pain, my drug. That's a lot of different things for boxing to be for you. Yeah, exactly. And it was, um, yeah, it was everything to me. It was, you name it. It was my lover. It was my, it was my worst enemy. Um, I had a lot of mixed emotions. Every single time I would go to the gym. I mean, what kid wants to go and get their face punched in at six years old, seven years old and do it every single day because you have to. Um, it was, uh, it was a roller coaster, uh, to say the least. And, you know, I'm very grateful, obviously, for what the sport gave me and, and obviously all the hard work I put into it because, you know, I, I, I had a lot of passion for it. I, I build up that, I build up that, that, that callus, um, basically to make me numb. I was numb throughout my whole career. I, a lot of times I don't really remember what was, what was going on whether it was inside the ring, whether it was during training camp, I was basically a zombie. If 50-year-old Oscar De La Hoya was going to go back in time and talk to 18-year-old Oscar De La Hoya, <laughs> what would you tell him? Wow, good question. I, 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 I believe that I would tell that young kid to make sure you put yourself first. Mm to make sure that you think about you first, you know, because throughout my whole life, when I, when I started to become successful, uh, making money, uh, gaining notoriety, fame, this and that, um, I put everybody first. I, I, I thought about everybody. I, I made sure I bought homes for everyone. I made sure that everybody was taken care of. I made sure the fans were always, always first. And at the end of the day, it's like, wow, wait, wait a minute. I forgot about myself. You know, what do I want? What, how do I feel? And so all those years of building up, building up, it's like a volcano. You're eventually going to erupt. And I must have erupted about 10 times throughout my life. But um, yeah, I'm just blessed that I, I was able to, to, to survive it, basically, because a lot of people in my position um, of all walks of life really don't survive it. Yeah. The other thing that really uh, struck me about your documentary, again, it wasn't just you. It wasn't just Bob Arum. It, it, it was you had exes, your kids, who you didn't have a great relationship with. Like Again, I was watching this going, wait a minute. Usually it's only the people who tell the positive <laughs> stories that are sitting down to tell the story. Right. Like All of right. these people had complex relationships with Oscar and their voices are being heard in this documentary. What was the thinking there of, again, just like including all of those voices in this documentary? Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a healing process for everyone, basically. Man, I got the chills just saying that. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it, it's basically, yeah, a whole, a whole 
therapeutic session, you know, a very expensive one <laughs> to say <laughs> <the> least, but, <laughs> but but yeah, I look, I've I've been watching documentaries left and right, and you know, there's some really good ones, there's some really bad ones. Um the the latest one I watched with was was with Arnold Schwarzenegger and um, you know, I noticed I noticed he he doesn't have anyone talking on his behalf or or he didn't let family in or kids or the you know it's I wanted everyone to have a voice everyone who who was part of my life who got impacted by this by this category you know five you know tornado mm -hmm. uh, I I needed that it was it was a, a, a it was a it was kind of like thinking okay let let them get closure as well, you know, because this for me felt like closure speaking about my whole life, speaking about, um, the goods, the bads, the uglies right now. I just, I, man, I feel so free right now. I feel, I feel, I feel blessed. I feel like if I can just live my own life now and, uh, and live it comfortably and happy for the first time. Yeah. At the end, I felt that I felt like you, were liberated uh, yeah. when I was done watching. How receptive were all those people when you said, hey, look, I'm making a documentary. I want you to sit down and discuss our complex relationship. Were they like, nah, I'm good. Or were they like, okay, I'll, I'll sit down and do that. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, my kids, my kids were all, all for it. I mean, God bless them that they've been through a lot. You know, they had great mothers to raise them, which I'm very blessed for. And, um, you know, I, I mean that there is a relationship, obviously now, um, that I'm that we're working on, you know, because it's it's a, it's a slow process um, after years of neglect. Um, my father was a little hesitant there for a second, you know. First of all, he said, "How much am I going to get paid?" Oh, <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, doesn't surprise me. Um, how much am I going to get paid? And am I, am I going to look good? I go look. Just be yourself. And he was himself. And, and, you know, it's, it's funny because he, it's funny to me because he, he painted himself as the villain, you know, he painted himself as like this man that, that wasn't never happy with, with what I accomplished. You know, when he talks about, um, uh, the fight with Julio Cesar Chavez and, and he talks about it while well, if Chavez was younger, right. He would have beat you. I'm like, wow. I mean, you think of me like that? Yeah. So it's 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 so honest and raw and real. And that's exactly what what I, I was expecting. I, I needed that just for the world to watch, um, you know, what my life has been. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure when, <laughs> yeah. you know, you have a dad that, you know, thinks like that. And again, if you're growing up in that environment, you're kind of pressured to, you know, everything's got to be great and perfect and you know you have to beat all comers and you know again you were six when you started and it's just got to be a lot of pressure yeah i mean he was almost he was almost like the mexican earl woods basically mm. wow okay when you put it in those terms you can really uh envision what you're talking about on the other hand your mom who passed away at the age of 38, I believe. And there was so much of a storyline around when you won Olympic gold, you know, you're doing this for your mom, but the documentary also brings out that she wasn't the greatest of parents to you either. And, and, 
you know, you had a complex relationship with her as well. Sure. Yeah. In 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 the um in the Hispanic Mexican American whatever culture, it's especially back then. Um, you know, I, I've realized that my grandmother, for instance, uh, my mother's mother, never never gave her love and never out there and never you know she had it tough as well so it's 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 kind of carried on from generation to generation and um you know obviously growing up i didn't know exactly what was going on like why aren't you loving me why aren't you hugging me why, mm -hmm. why can't you accept me you know why do you always have to beat basically and so again boxing gave me my outlet to let out my frustrations you know, there were times, many, many times where I would literally picture my mom's face on my, on my opponent's uh, face and just, and just be smash his face in, you know, because I was so angry. So, um, you know, everything happens for a reason, everything happens for a reason. And, um, you know, living all this pain and, and not being able to tell anyone, um, you know, living through the Olympics and having success and all that, the good and the bad, it's like, I, I decided, look, everything happens for a reason. And whether it's bad, whether it's good, you always make the best of it. And, um, and, and, and the only way to make the best of it is to talk about it, to talk about it, to release your energy, to release your frustrations, your pain, your everything that you, that that's inside of you. And, and that's exactly what I've done with this documentary. I mean, yeah, I put, I laid it all on the line. Let's put it that way. It's, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's going to be pretty interesting for people to watch. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. Talent, hard work, focus, and determination got you here. Now take the right steps to prepare for your future and ensure that you stay at the top of your game, your business, your craft. Morgan Stanley Sports and Entertainment is a division of Morgan Stanley Wealth Management dedicated to serving the unique and sophisticated needs of elite and professional athletes, entertainers, executives, creators, and other top talent and professionals in the sports and entertainment industry. They deliver the education, strategies, and expertise you need to help advance your financial game plan at every stage of your career journey. They speak the language. They know your business. Morgan Stanley will work with you to achieve your goals. I've trusted Morgan Stanley with my personal wealth management for almost 20 years. Visit Morgan Stanley at morganstanley.com backslash G-S-E. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. I mean, the truth doesn't have versions, right? And exactly. I feel like, you know, you you told the truth here and is someone who respects people who are brave enough to tell the truth. Like, again, well done with okay. the documentary. Um Mario Lopez, Mark Wahlberg, executive producers on this. How much right. did you interact with them? Kind of what was their role with this? Well, I've known Mario for 30 years. I have 30 plus years, yeah. It's funny. I have This is a, for another story. He almost derailed my career when I was 19 years old, but that's for another day. <laughs> Wait a minute. You can't bring that up and then... and. Uh, give, me, give me a little hint. Like, yeah, well, it's just... It, 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 it had to do with going to Tijuana, I was going to fight Saturday, right? On a Saturday morning on the wide world of sports. That night before, Friday night, I felt sick. So I decided I'm not fighting. And it was only my second professional fight. So I just got off the Olympics. I'm like hot as gold. 
And so I tell Mar I call Mario um, that I just met that afternoon, Friday afternoon. I called him at night. He gave me his number. I said, Mario, I'm not fighting. Let's go to Tijuana, oh. he tells me. And this fight was in San Diego. So I go, okay, let's go cross the border and let's go to Tijuana. I get back Saturday morning at 4 a.m., right? Liquored up. Oh, no. All my managers, my promoter, everyone's waiting for me in my front door of my hotel room. What the hell are you doing? My gosh, you're going to fight in a few hours. And I'm like stumbling in like, I can't do this. I'm sick. You're going to fight. And so I ended up fighting, ended up knocking out the guy in four rounds. But Mario Lopez almost derailed my career. Oh, man. What a <laughs> what a great story. Yeah, Tijuana and having to do something the next day usually aren't the best of recipes, right? Not the best of recipes. It's 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 usually, it's normally a, a michelada afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, Mark Wahlberg? He's made some great boxing movies and has a long association with boxing, obviously. You know what? Um, Mark, Mark has been a friend for a long time. And, um, you know, we go back to the HBO days when I was fighting and he's, he's associated there with the great relationship with HBO. And the, the only person that I thought of to make this film was Mark Wahlberg, mm. um, and unrealistic, uh, he understands the sport. He loves the sport. He's a huge fan. He's been to many of my fights and he's the only person that I thought of that can make this film happen. And, and do it the right way. And um, when we hired uh, Fernando as the director, uh, we discussed, we talked for, for a long time, for many days. This, and I wanted to make sure that he understands my story. He understands the culture. He understands exactly, not exactly what I went through, but, you know, similarities that maybe he had, you know, his upbringing were, you know, with, with living in East L.A., that where he was born. So it's like, that was a good connection for us. Um, but yeah, we, everybody just clicked Mario Wahlberg, uh, Fernando, everybody just clicked. And we, we made a, we made a masterpiece. What did Wahlberg think of you being so blunt and, and candid with the documentary? You know, I, I have to admit to you that, I mean, obviously it, it's scary for me now mm -hmm. just to, the build up, the lead to the, the lead up uh, this film being released. Um, every day that goes by, man, I'm 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 nervous. I'm I'm like I'm scared. It's scary. Mm -hmm. Um, and and you know to get reassurance from like Mark Wahlberg, for instance, um, him telling me, my gosh, Oscar, nobody has ever 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 done something like this, and you're gonna change lives. Mm -hmm. It it's it's it's. It feels good, right? It feels good, but yeah. I still, I'm still nervous. I'm still, sure. scared. So, you know, but, but in reality, you know, it's like a lot of people go through situations, not, not necessarily similar to what I went through, but, but there's a lot of parallels, you know, um, there's a lot of comparisons, uh, that you can, that you can take off this film and, and, you know, apply it to your life and say, you know what? Okay. Maybe I felt that way. Maybe I should do this. You know, maybe I should think about me first, you know? So, yeah. So Mark Wahlberg's uh, reassuring words were, were incredible. I mean, he was, he was in awe when he saw it. He just couldn't believe it. Yeah. Uh, HBO. I mean, you've had a longstanding partnership with them, so it only makes sense that your documentary would be on right. HBO, but maybe just talk about, you know, that partnership has worked so well for you for so long. Yeah, no, we, we, we basically built uh, HBO boxing and HBO 24 seven. 
you know, when I fought Mayweather. And so I have a long lasting relationship with everyone there. And so when, when, when we thought about Mark Wahlberg and the relationship he has with HBO, it all made sense. It all made sense. You know, they have all my footage behind the scenes and all the footage we dug up that I have personally was incredible as well. As a little kid. Yeah. You know, video with my mother. Um, it's, it, it was, it, it was incredible. It was all well put together. Yeah. That's one of the things I really look for in a well done documentary is the footage. Yeah. And that was striking in your documentary. It was, it was great stuff. And I was wondering, you know, obviously the old stuff you just said that you had, yeah. but at some point during your career, were you like, okay, maybe I'll make a documentary one day. I'm going to have some crews follow me around. I know you had the 24 seven that you just referred sure. to, but did you do anything beyond that with the documentary post career in mind? Um, you're, you know, you're absolutely, absolutely right. I, I was thinking about doing a documentary many years ago, mm-hmm. many years ago. I was, I believe I had just retired and, and thank God I didn't because it wasn't the right time. It wasn't the right moment. I wasn't in the right main, uh, uh, frame of, of mind, you know, and, um, I wasn't thinking clearly. It, everything was just a, 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 a fog in my head. Um, I was thinking, okay, let's get like three, four cameras. We'll, you know, they can follow me around walking the street, saying hi to people and oh my gosh, how great my life is. Right. Thank God I didn't. Yeah. Thank God I didn't do that. I, I, you know, like I said, everything happens for a reason. And, and, uh, you know, I'm very happy with, 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 with the finished film that is just amazing. Was there a moment in your life that kind of put you in this mindset from not making the one that you just described to again, making the one that you made? You know, it's, it's, it's crazy to think that. I've always said all my life, ever since my mom passed away, that she's always looking out and always said that. I mean, there, there's been so many tragic moments in my life um, thinking about committing suicide, uh, driving reckless, you know, going down the freeway 170 miles per hour and trying to end my life. And for some miraculous reason, I'm still here and as much as I hate saying that, it, it's like she's continuously looking out for me, you know, because obviously I have to, I have to give her love and credit and I have compassion towards her now, but it's like, wow. I mean, I, 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 all I wanted to do is just feel love. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. And, and the fact that she made me go through all this pain um, and, sh- and, and she endured pain on me, but the fact that she's still looking out for me, it's like, it's, it's all still like all a mix of emotions, you know, mm-hmm. it's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, psychologically, it's like, I mean, it's, 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 I don't know. It's, it, it kind of messes with my head. A bit, you know? Yeah. Hey, life is complex, right? It is. It's complex. And, uh, but you know, I, I, I thought of one thing. Um, after, after we finished the documentary a couple of years ago, I believe it was, or we, we took a couple of years to, to make it. Um, I said to myself, you know what, to free myself fully, I'm going to, I'm going to forgive my worst enemy. If I can, if I can forgive my worst enemy, then I set myself free. Mm. If I can do that, then I'm okay. 
I'm okay with myself. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a work in progress, man. Yeah. I mean, I think that's good advice for all of us, right? Like if we can do that, you, you, you do it more for yourself than you do for the person you're forgiving, right? Sure. Exactly. You set yourself free. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before I let you go, what lies ahead for you? I know you've got golden boy promotions. Um, that's going well. Um, but I have a feeling this is like a, a pivotal moment for you. I, I think sure. when people yeah. see this documentary, they're seeing a different side of you. Right. And I, I just have a feeling people are going to embrace the person Oscar de la Hoya more after this, but yeah. what lies ahead for you? What do you, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Yeah. So I, I do have golden boy promotions, which, you know, thank God that I can, I can, um, I can fall back on and still do what I love doing mm-hmm. and that's boxing. Um, you know, so that keeps me super busy. We have so much, so many projects regarding business, um, which I'm working on. Um, I'm thinking of doing a docu follow, um, a, a, a six part docu follow half an hour. So people can see me now, how I am now, how I recovered, how I, how I got the bull by the horns. And now it's like, this is my life, you know, and my life is actually hilarious. It's funny. I have, a, I have my girlfriend, Holly, um, who, you know, she was on Fox NFL and she was, she did the golf channel and this and that. She's a hottie. Um, she's my best friend. I finally met my soulmate and we're just hilarious together. Like people would never know that we are just freaking hilarious. I mean, I'm a funny guy sometimes, most of the time, actually. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I mean, we're thinking about a feature film um, that many people have approached me uh, on. And so, yeah, we're just going to just, you know, keep keep living it up, you know, and, and doing what I want to do. Plus, I love playing golf every day. So how's your golf game? It's actually OK. I mean, I have a good instructor with Holly. So. <laughs> you get out there and play with Wahlberg. I know he likes to play, too. Yeah. So I'm moving out to Vegas. And OK, he moved out to Vegas. Yep. So we connect all the time. Yeah, that's great. Oscar de la Hoya, 11 world titles, six different weight classes, Olympic gold medalist, founder of Golden Boy Promotions. Do not miss his documentary coming out on Max and HBO on July 24th. The Golden Boy. It's one of the best documentaries I've seen in a long, long time. Oscar, congratulations on this. Well done and continued success to you in the future. I appreciate you. And thank you for those kind words. And uh, yeah. We'll see what happens on the 24th. Um, I, I'm I'm scared and excited at the same time. Yeah, don't be scared. You did the right thing. Wow, man. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports. It's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Your fantasy leagues might be over, but you can still play fantasy sports games on Underdog Fantasy. I love playing Pick'em, and rivals. With Pick'em, you can pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. You can win 20 times your money in a single night. You pick between two and five players to build a Pick'em entry. Also, rivals pits two players against each other. That's a lot of fun too. It could be two players on the same team. It could be two players from other teams, points, rebounds, fantasy points, a lot of fun. I'm enjoying that with NBA games, especially right now. 
Sign up today with promo code SBR and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store and don't forget to register with my promo code SBR, like Sports Business Radio, to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 plus and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks to the Sports Business Radio team, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Ryan Nakajima, and from our friends at CG Sports, CG Young and Nicole Wardle. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions. GriggsProductions.com.